Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. The Miami Dolphins were a 17 and a half point underdog heading into their final game of the season at New England. The Dolphins had not won in New England since that fateful September day in 2008 where Tony Sperano let loose the Wildcat upon the National Football League. The Dolphins had an opportunity to knock the New England Patriots off of a first-round bye for the first time in over a decade. The Miami Dolphins defeated the New England Patriots 27-24 in the final game of the 2019 season, a season in which the, the goal was to strip down the team, get rid of all of the big contracts, strip down, get reduce it to his... To nothing, basically, with the idea of just trying to get a high draft pick. And the Miami Dolphins defeated the defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, 27-24 to in their own backyard. And now, those defending Super Bowl champions, for the first time in over a decade, will have to play on Wild Card Weekend. They're going to host Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, who knows? Thus far, the Patriots, in their nine Super Bowl appearances in the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady era, have always had the bye. Either the one seed or the two seed, they always had the bye. And and anytime they've been in the playoffs without the bye, they have failed to reach the Super Bowl. And here we are because of your Miami Dolphins playing what was, for all intents and purposes, a meaningless football game to close out the 2019 season. Your Miami Dolphins knock off the New England Patriots. The Patriots now have a very tough road to the Super Bowl, and the Miami Dolphins go into the offseason with a 5-11 and record, only two games worse than the 7-9 and record that they finished with last season. I got to You got to If you have, we've said it over and over on this show, uh, tour, on this second half of the season, a second half of the season, which the Dolphins finished with a five and four record. You got to hand it to Brian Flores and this Miami Dolphins coaching staff. You got to hand it to these players for digging down deep and showing some heart and playing loose, confident football on the road in the Lions' den to come out. With an enormous upset, according to Vegas, the biggest NFL upset in 30 years. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, you could lob all the cliches you want. It was a great win, a surprising win, and just a fitting end to what has been a really, a really trying season. That, that Brian Flores and his coaching staff did a phenomenal job with. There's no other way that you could look at that as far as the coaching staff is concerned. 
there's no other grade that you could give uh, this coaching staff than an A+. Really, I just an unbelievable job. And well, we'll get into the good, the bad, and the ugly of this game. And I think that's going to cover everything that we really need to cover. But before we even do that, let's uh, remind everybody that if you're not already, we encourage you to follow the show on Twitter at same old dolphins. We recently surpassed the 900 follower mark. So thank you for everybody who's jumped on board there. So give us, if you haven't yet uh, joined on board, hop on board because uh, the fun now is really about to get going here because we're entering the off season and this is going to be an exciting off season indeed for your Miami Dolphins. So follow the show at same old Dolphins, follow Aaron, the brain at Aaron, the brain, follow me at amplified to rock. And if you haven't done so already, please take a few moments out of your time before New Year's Eve. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. It really helps us out and helps other people find the show. And finally, make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins, your number one source for Miami Dolphins news and information on the internet. It is DolphinsTalk.com. Make sure to visit the site every single day. Day. Should we dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly brain? Yeah, sure. All right. We're going to start with the good, and I think there is no other place to start than with Devontae Parker. He was a monster in this game. Going up against who a guy who many people believe is going to be your uh, one of the final candidates for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Stefan Gilmore. We were really curious to see how this matchup was going to go. And Devontae Parker just, he showed up. Eight catches, 139 yards in this game. Just, it does 137 yards, excuse me, um, in this game. And probably none bigger than the 28-yard grab he has on that pivotal final drive of the game for the Miami Dolphins where he jumps up and grabs the football uh, away from Stefan Gil. I mean, just this is exactly the kind of catch that we all envisioned Devontae Parker making a big moment in a big game, going up and grabbing the football, making a huge catch that ended up being a big difference maker on that pivotal game-winning touchdown drive that the Dolphins put together. Brain, my number one good takeaway is Devontae Parker. Mine as well. I mean, just you you wondered you wonder every week, is he gonna keep it up? Is he gonna are we or is he gonna turn or is he gonna disappear like like the old Devontae Parker? And he finished what was a remarkably consistent season. He totaled 55 yards or more in all but one, well, all but two games this season. The the game against New England in week two where he was held, you know, catchless on seven targets and the game where he exited in the first quarter against the Jets where he had two catches for 28 yards in the first quarter. So he presumably would have sur- sur- uh, surpassed that amount. But I mean, this was just, a remarkably consistent season. And from the point where Preston Williams was knocked out and went on IR, I mean, every single week, it's 
you know, five catches, 69 yards, seven catches, 135, six catches, 91, seven catches, 159. Then he had the game where he got hurt. Then four catches for 72, five for 111. And then he saves the best for last eight catches for 137 yards against the best corner in the National Football League. It's one season and he's got to continue it, but he signed the extension about, you know, a few weeks ago. And he has only gotten better. And all signs point to Devontae Parker is going to be an elite wide receiver in this league. And if he is, the Dolphins locked him up at a bargain. And it is just uh, a great piece to have uh, to build around when you consider that you're also going to get Preston Williams back next year. You've got Mike Kosicki coming into his own. Uh, you may or may not bring back Albert Wilson. You do have Jakeem Grant. But knowing that you've got your number one receiver and you've got him locked up at a, a fair to bargain price is a huge piece of the puzzle going forward and really helps in projecting what you need to do going forward. So Devontae Parker, in my mind, uh, this one just cinched it for me. Devontae Parker is going to be a guy that you can rely on going forward. My number two takeaway. Look, the guy throwing him the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the money in this game, and it's not like he had all day to throw. He was scrambling. He was ducking. He was doing the five Ds of dodgeball, the dodge, dip, duck, uh, dive and dodge. He was, he was going all over the place, avoiding the New England pass rush, only got sacked twice, and still managed to throw for what, over 300 yards in this game? And Ryan Fitzpatrick finishes the year ranked eighth in the league in total QBR. Now, I know, you know, you're going to have your people there. What is total QBR? It's a made-up stat. It's an objective stat. Uh, I mean, a subjective stat, Come, uh, you know, concocted by, by ESPN. So is it really, you know, worth a damn? Well, you got a bunch of experts that are basically evaluating every single play, every single snap that that quarterback has the ball, and they determined that he was the eighth best quarterback. So whether you want to believe that he was the eighth best quarterback or the 15th best quarterback or whatever, the bottom line is we won five games, we moved the ball, we scored points against some good defenses. Uh, in spite of having a horrific offensive line. And that is, the, the credit to that goes to no one more than it does to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had a tremendous season, seemed to gain confidence as the season went on, and seems to be playing his best football. And that is an, a, another important takeaway as far as projecting what you're going to do with this team going forward, because it means that while, yes, you definitely need to still address your quarterback of the future, it means that if you're trying to win next season to get to the playoffs, you don't necessarily need to go out and bring in another veteran quarterback uh, to to play the position at a high level for the next two or three years and then 
you know, while, while you're trying to groom somebody, you could keep Ryan Fitzpatrick here until you've got the right guy to take over for him because Ryan Fitzpatrick right now is the leader of this team and is playing at a very high level, a borderline pro bowl level. That's how good Ryan Fitzpatrick has been. And, and that's considering how awful he was the first few weeks of the season and then, you know, basically went a few weeks without playing. And so it's basically been what, 10, 11 games over this 10 game stretch where he has been playing at a pro bowl level. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, amazing job. Incredible performance. Again, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 28 of 41 for 320 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He also ran for a touchdown in this game, which ties him for first all time single season rushing quarter, uh, rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in Dolphins history. He's tied three other quarterbacks as the, uh, only Dolphins quarterback to rush for four touchdowns in a season. Brain, can you name the other three Miami Dolphins quarterbacks to rush for four touchdowns in a season? All right. I'm going to go Jay Fiedler. That's one of them. I'm going to say, ooh, boy, um, I'm going to say, what was his name? Uh, the guy, was it uh, Woodley? David Woodley is the, is the second. There's one more. Uh, I know he wasn't known for his legs, but was it Dan Marino? It was not Dan Marino. Okay, I'll give you one uh, other guess to come up with the fourth quarterback in Dolphins history. Well, You've you've named three of the four. Fitzpatrick, Woodley, Fiedler to run for four touchdowns in a season. Can you name the fourth? I don't think Thigpen started enough games, but maybe. I mean, he was a he's the only other he's the only Dolphins quarterback that I could think of that was like a real like rushing threat. Um, Gus Ferrat comes to mind because he had a nice season. Uh, but I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna say Joey Harrington. Oh no 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 no! Wait, was it right? No, it was not Joey Harrington. AJ Feely was not AJ Feely. All right, who was it? It was the man who connected with Greg Camarillo to ensure that the Dolphins did not go winless in that horrible, horrible 2000. Was that 2007 season? Yeah. It was Cleo Lemon. Wow. So the four okay, quarterbacks in Dolphins history to rush for four touchdowns in a season. David Woodley, who did it in 81. Jay Fiedler, who did it in 2001. Cleo Lemon, who did it in that horrible 2007 season. And in 2019, your boy, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he also led the team in rushing. I mean, he was the do-everything man, the consensus Dolphins team MVP. Yeah, I I would just want to follow up on one thing about Fitzpatrick. A lot of people have sort of throughout the year were sort of speculating like, well, if the Dolphins can't draft their future franchise quarterback, maybe they can bring in a veteran, you know, stopgap. And I've heard all kinds of names bandied about. I heard Tom Brady. I've heard Phillip Rivers. I've heard Matt Ryan. I, I recently somebody mentioned Marcus Mariota. And I'm just... Ooh. All I can say is, 
the Dolphins have Ryan Fitzpatrick. They have him for very cheap. It makes no sense whatsoever for the Dolphins at this point in time to pay a large sum of money to another veteran stopgap to come in while the Dolphins groom their quarterback of the future. Ryan Fitzpatrick is that guy, and he's he's proven himself this season. It would be an unbelievable slap in the face if the Dolphins decided to go another way away from Ryan Fitzpatrick heading into the 2020 season. That's not something that I see happening. I think the the Dolphins like what Ryan Fitzpatrick has brought to the table with them, and they'd be fools not to, considering the the bargain that they've got him for. So I here's I, what I'll say. Yeah, here's what I'll say on that is that um we're not going to bring in a a Rivers or a Brady. Uh, those guys are clearly past their prime, and you're bringing those guys in if you've got you know, no competent quarterback and you're trying and you've got a great team that's ready to win a Super Bowl and just needs a, a solid quarterback option out there. Uh, that's not the Dolphins situation in either regard. We have a competent quarterback and we are not a team that's ready to win the Super Bowl. So it doesn't make any sense. I could see us bringing in a Mariota type, uh, if you can bring him in on a cheap contract as the backup to Fitzpatrick, because you, if you're doing that, what you're saying is, and you're not doing that as plan A, you're doing that kind of as plan C. Plan A is that you, you draft a guy to groom under Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, who's, you know, capable to be the backup. And plan B is that you know, you're either you've got you either draft that guy and you're sitting him behind Fitzpatrick, or you've got uh, or you you like what you've seen enough out of Josh Rosen to still feel like he's a developmental project. If you're going out and you're bringing in uh, a Marcus Mariota type, you know, someone of that ilk who you're going to bring in on a cheap contract, then number one, you're basically saying, look, Josh Rosen is trash. He's gone. And number two, you're only doing it if you've completely whiffed at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, either Tua decided to stay in school or somebody either drafted him in front of us or traded up and drafted him in front of us, or we drafted Tua and uh, you know, he gets hurt or something, or we've decided that we're going to put him on the, the PUP for the entire season and basically redshirt the year. And we still feel like, you know, we, <laughs> Josh Rosen is no answer even as a backup quarterback. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go after a guy like that. But I will say that if you're bringing in a guy like Matt Ryan or a Matthew Stafford, if those two teams are looking to move on from those guys, that's a different story because those quarterbacks are still in the prime of their career and have a higher upside than Ryan Fitzpatrick and they can be here for the next six, seven years. Uh, so if those guys become available and it's not a, a price that's too steep and you don't have a, a better option as far as a young guy, then I could see b going after a guy like Stafford or Ryan. But Brady, Rivers, or any other, you know, past their prime 
veteran quarterback that you'd be bringing in for one or two years just doesn't make any sense. Don't see it happening. Let's move on to the last item that I have in my good list, and it's the Miami Dolphins' pass defense. Listen, they weren't outstanding, but a key, (coughs) excuse me, a key when you're a 17 and a half point underdog, a key to winning is that you've got to be ready to take advantage of any mistakes that your opponent makes. And when Tom Brady threw a pass into Nowheresville, Eric Rowe pounced. He made the interception. He took it to the house. The former Patriot with a pick six on the Patriots in his old stomping grounds. The How about this? The first time Tom Brady has ever thrown a pick six against the Miami Dolphins. In his 20-year career, it's the first time that's ever happened. The Dolphins held Brady to 16 of 29 for 221 yards. He did have a pair of TDs. They did sack him once and uh, had an interception. Brady had an 88.4 rating. Uh, he It's clearly not vintage Tom Brady. And there's certainly a little bit of decline. At least there seems to be evidence of decline there. But the Dolphins did what they needed to do to stop the Patriots throwing all over them. And, you know, they took advantage of the big mistake. And that was helpful on their route to vic- on their road to victory. So uh, I, I, I'm giving the Dolphins pass defense. I'm putting that in my in the good column. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh Look, th- this this secondary has been undermanned all year long. Uh, they've been banged up all year long. They lost Xavier Howard a little bit uh, less than halfway through the season. They lost Rashad Jones. They lost Bobby McCain. It's been, you know, every guy in that secondary was basically an undrafted free agent. <laughs> so it's it's a secondary full of no names, full of guys that were plucked up off the scrap heap and they have they have fought valiantly all year long we've we've come away with a couple of guys that we feel are going to be long-term pieces Eric Rowe was was signed to be a corner we thought he was going to be the number two corner behind Xavier Howard at the at the beginning of the season proved to not be very good at that proved to not even be really good at being a third corner we moved him to strong safety and all of a sudden he's been a very good strong safety and he earned himself a contract extension. Nick Needham, undrafted free agent, completely scorched in the preseason, finds his way onto the practice squad, finds his way onto the roster after a couple of Dolphins injuries in that secondary and has become the best corner on the team and now looks to be a, a solid piece in that secondary going forward. Uh, you add in Xavier Howard and and Bobby McCain back into that secondary next next season, and you potentially add uh, a first round corner or another uh, or another high level safety in the draft or both. And this Dolphins secondary, which has been much maligned all year long, all of a sudden becomes one of the strongest units in the league next year. If they go out, I mean, if, if they, with their top five pick, like, let's say they don't go quarterback. Let's say they go with Akuda, the cornerback in the draft. You know, he's going to come right in and start 
uh, opposite Xavier Howard. You got Bobby McCain, who we know is one of the better uh, slot corners in the league. And then you still have Nick Needham there as a, as a dime guy, as a fourth corner. I mean, then you've got Eric Rowe. And, you know, maybe you play Bobby McCain at safety. You move Eric, uh, you know, Nick Needham into the slot. Maybe you, you draft another safety or sign another guy like, uh, like the guy from Dallas. What's his name? Byron Jones, who's going to be a free agent. The Dolphins have a lot of resources and there's a lot of different ways that they can go, but they found a couple of really valuable pieces in the secondary this season. And I believe that this secondary is going to be the, the strength of this defense going forward. And I think this is a defense that we found some good pieces this year. And if we go and we pour some resources into it this year, which I, I know we will in this off season, it's got a chance to be a very good unit going forward and a very good young unit at that. Yeah. I want to, we're going to quickly go to, cause we've, we've sort of finished the good list, although I do want to shout out uh, some of the trick trickery that the Dolphins were running today. Uh, a lot of trick plays um, that some which worked, others which didn't, but the Dolphins were showing that they were playing loose and creative, and I liked all the... We had Matt Hawk throwing another pass. We had Isaiah Ford faking a pass and ending up running. We had Albert Wilson throwing a couple of passes. I really enjoyed that the Dolphins were mixing it up a little bit, and quite frankly, it wouldn't surprise me to see that uh, element of the game be part of their game planning offensively going into next season as well. But I want to skip over bad for now because you were just talking about the strength of our secondary and we need to move to the ugly from this game. And it actually doesn't relate to the game. It actually relates to some news that uh, broke here on Monday, which was that Xavier Howard ha- was arrested on Ooh. Monday for domestic violence uh there was a, there was a an incident with a, involving his fiance where the details the exact details are still emerging there's an investigation pending um the last i heard Xavier howard uh was up for at a for a $3000 bond and there's just a lot to play out there, and there's going to be obviously a legal investigation, and there may end up being an NFL investigation. The team may investigate, but this is a very bad look for Xavier Howard. He is one of the cornerstones of this team as they are preparing to rebuild, and he is now getting himself mixed up in a divest- in a domestic violence situation, which. You know, there's going to be if if he is ultimately found guilty of something, or if the league investigates this and they determine that yes, this is something that actually happened, uh, then he's going to be facing at minimum a suspension. But as we know, Mark Walton was cut from the team after he was involved with in an incident of domestic assault. Now, uh, domestic violence. Now, of course, that was. Uh, the last in a series of pattern of behavior from Mark Walton. And to my knowledge, this is the first I'm hearing about something of this type of behavior regarding Xavier Howard, but it it's a, it's a difficult situation because the dolphins are going to be looking at, you know, this, he's like, a, I think a $17.5 million cap hit next year for the dolphins. And this may be something that if this is an organization that is holding itself on principles and, you know, really trying to not 
get mixed up with this kind of thing, they may move on from Xavier Howard. We're seeing now at least, you know, players are being punished for this sort of thing. And some teams are choosing to let players go. We saw that happen with Kareem Hunt. Uh, other players are being suspended and eventually welcomed back to their team, such as Tyreek Hill. This is a this is going to put a lot of pressure on this front office in this offseason, heading into what is supposed to be a very exciting offseason for the team. It it really puts kind of a bad um, taste in your mouth as you head into the offseason because now they've got to deal with this situation. And of course, in this situation, every, the number one concern should be with uh, Howard's fiance, more so than how this affects the team. Of course, this is a Dolphins podcast, so that's the angle that we're approaching it from. But we should mention that, you know, thoughts have to be with uh, Xavier Howard's fiance and hope that she is okay. Domestic violence and, and assault is, is never okay uh, in any capacity. And so it's not some, it's something that of course that I personally would condemn. And I, I am, I imagine that once the truth comes out it, and once we know exactly everything that happened, I imagine the dolphins, if Xavier Howard is found to, to have actually, you know, whatever, whatever this incident was, if it was found to be something significant, uh, I'm sure the dolphins will speak out against it as well. And I imagine that, Howard himself will eventually have to come out and say something about it, but it's a, it's an ugly situation, which is why even though it doesn't directly involve the Dolphins Patriots game, it was something that I, I felt like we needed to mention on the show. I, I it's, I, I think it's probably not worth getting into the details of exactly how this is going to affect the team just yet, because we still don't know everything about it. It's really just news that broke today and we're going to learn more as time goes on, but it's just something to keep, you know, keep on your mind as you evaluate what this team is doing this offseason. Now they've also got this elephant in the room that they're going to have to deal with. Brain, anything that you you want to say in relation to that, or should we yeah, move on? I, well, one, you just broke the news to me. I had no idea uh, that, that, that that broke today. I haven't really been on social media or on any kinds of Dolphins news prior to recording today, so that's a news to me. Uh, as far as comparing him to, you know, his situation to that of Mark Walton or Kareem Hunt or Tyreek Hill. Look, I don't know, or Greg Hardy for that matter. Uh, I don't know the particulars of his situation to compare them to that. But what I do know is that in the NFL, it is a sliding scale of, you know, when you look at these, when you're deciding the transgression and whether or not to move on from a guy, it's always a sliding scale of both the transgression and that player's value to the team. So when just look at Kansas City, you got Kareem Hunt and Tariq Hill, both were terrible uh, transgressions. But Tyreek Hill, a big time wide receiver versus Kareem Hunt, who you have a very good running back, but running backs far more replaceable than wide receivers. They release Kareem Hunt, of course, there was also video of Kareem Hunt uh, with his situation. So he was, you know, pretty much he was released very quickly uh, versus 
Tyreek Hill, who they waited out like this whole long thing and investigation and everything like that. As far as Mark Walton, not only was it his latest in a string of, uh, you know, kind of bonehead off the field problems or situations, uh, but also you're looking at a guy who at best was going to be the backup running back next year. So, and, and you can cut him for nothing. Uh, that is not the case with Xavier and Howard. So I, Highly doubt. I mean, look, we got to see what the transgression is. And of course, you hate to be so like cold because, you know, there's a, it, you know, whatever the situation is with his fiance, you hope this is just, this was something that, uh, wasn't really horrific. But, you know, with any case of domestic violence, I mean, it's pretty bad. It's, it's really bad. Uh, so like certainly if, if, uh, if there's something to it and he's guilty of whatever he was accused and arrested for, uh, then he should face some sort of punishment. But I doubt highly that the Dolphins would move on from him. And if they don't move on from him, it's not them being hypocritical or not taking some sort of, uh, you know, moral high ground or not having principles. It's simply, this is a business. They're going to, to punish a guy for, you know, in a, in a manner that's fitting for the crime, but then they're going to allow him to come back and do his job because they don't have anybody else that could do his job the way that he can do his job. And that might rub people the wrong way. Uh, but it is what it is in the NFL and you just kind of have to, to live with that. So moving on from the uh, Xavier Howard situation, let's uh, head back to this game that we were talking about. We've we've talked about the good. We've talked about the ugly. Let's talk about the bad. Frankly, there wasn't a lot in this game that was bad from the Dolphins. I think, if anything, you could say there's bad and that there were points left on the board. There were There were some drops. There were some throws that maybe weren't right on target. I'm thinking specifically of that that throw from Fitzpatrick to Isaiah Ford towards the end of the Dolphins opening drive or where they kicked the field goal. Uh, the better pass might have been a touchdown, but there wasn't a lot in this game that was bad. I guess the run defense continued to be bad, giving up 130 yards to the Patriots on the ground. But, you know, on, in the grand scale of, on the grand scale of things, this was not a bad performance overall from the Dolphins. No, it wasn't. I mean, how could it be? <laughs> they won in New England. I mean, how how could it be a bad performance? They won they, in New England. And if you're one of those people that was thinking about the tank, even if they had lost this game, they still would have ended up with the fifth pick in the draft. So, I mean, there's there is no negative effect to this win. The rest of the season, there were times where we go, gosh, you know, if the Dolphins had lost this game instead of winning, that really would have helped them as far as the tank goes and as far as, you know, moving up in the draft order. But this game had literally no effect on draft position. Had the Dolphins won or lost, they still would have picked fifth. So even that doesn't really go in, into the bad category. There's not a whole lot to to unpack as far as bad i mean the offensive line wasn't particularly good but that's not a surprise that's been the way that's been that way all year long and fitzpatrick was only sacked twice so you can't really say that they they were you know any worse than they normally are in fact they probably this was probably one of their better days 
Uh, and defensively, they, 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 they put up a defensive score and they only gave up 24 in New England, uh, to a team that was, to a New England team that was playing for something. So I, I don't really have much of anything bad to say about, you know, anything that I saw on Sunday. Great. Then I think that just about wraps up everything that we needed to talk about on this episode, unless there's more that you were thinking about. I, we're not really talking about big picture stuff because we're going to come back here in the next week or two to do a sort of season in review. We'll maybe do some year-end awards. We'll talk about you know who the most valuable player was for this season for the Dolphins and, and that kind of stuff. So we're going to sort of get into the big picture stuff as we head into this offseason here in the next week or two. Uh, was there anything else specifically regarding this game that you wanted to talk about today, Brent? No, I think that that about covers it. The, the one thing that I will say uh, is that uh, for those that were upset that the Dolphins ended up beating the Patriots because it would ruin our draft position, well, it turns out that had we had we lost the game, we would have picked fifth and we won the game and we still ended up picking fifth. So it was, you know, kind of a win-win either way. So there was, there was absolutely nothing to lose in this game. So going out and spoiling the Patriots, potentially spoiling the Patriots season by winning this game is a hell of a way to cap it off. And again, just kudos to Brian Flores and this staff. And the hope is that this won't be just a, a one year wonder situation like we saw with, uh, two of the, of the previous three coaching regimes here in Miami, uh, Adam Gase and Tony Sperano. Yeah. And we'll end it on with one last little fun fact from, uh, Chris Shira on, on Twitter. The 511, 511 Dolphins. Defeated more playoff teams in the regular season, the Eagles and the Patriots, than the 10 and 6 Bills did. The Bills' only victory over a playoff team, the Tennessee Titans. So there we go. A little, little fun nugget for you there to, to close off the show. This was a, a, just a fun day to cap off the 2019 season. It was, it was enjoyable to see the Dolphins get a big win on the road. And then on top of that, everybody has sports teams that they hate and that they just always want to see lose. For example, I've been very pleased this week because Alabama isn't in the college football playoff and Ohio State lost in their college football playoff semifinal. And I love to see those two teams lose. I just love it. Another team that I love to see lose, the New England Patriots. And when it happens at the hands of your Miami Dolphins, man, I can't get enough. And knowing that the Patriots had the opportunity to get a bye and to sort of put themselves in a good position to get set up for a AFC playoff run, and knowing that the Dolphins knocked them off that pedestal, it just, I'm walking around with a little extra spring in my step, as every Dolphin fan should be, because these Dolphins... They, they did a great job. They sort of, ex they certainly exceeded expectations this season. I think that's for sure. And what better way to end the year than knocking off the Patriots? It's just fantastic. Brain, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. 
and I am at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. We've also got a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. Download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you find your podcast. If you listen to podcasts on a certain platform and we're not available there, let us know. We'll do what we can to address that situation and make that show available. And finally, make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. It's a great place for Miami Dolphins news and information, and there's a great network of podcasts over there at dolphinstalk.com too. Uh, we're getting ready to dive into some off-season planning for things over at Dolphins Talk, so stay tuned. We're going to be looking on ways to make both the website and the podcast network bigger and better as we head into the 2020 season, so make sure you're sticking with us over there. That's going to wrap us up for this episode. We'll be back in another week or two to sort of reflect on the season as a whole and where we go from here as we head into the off season. so we'll look forward to talking to you then. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!